Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed, the show reminding you that herbal medicine is people's medicine, the kind that grows right outside your backyard. And we'll be back right after this. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Not sure if they're married or not. 
So there's a few uh, great guests coming up soon. And I see Susan is in the queue. I'm going to go ahead and bring her on. Welcome, Susan Weed. Ooh, that's very exciting that you're going to be with the Farrars. They're such, you know, important early people in establishing uh, what we think of as paganism. Yes, absolutely. I mean, she was with, you know, Alexanders and formed her own groups. And, I mean, all those videos, they were in so many documentaries. So anytime you look these things up, it's almost like if you just type paganism or something like that, or magic, or whatever, uh, you'll probably see a picture of her, you know, <laughs> or, or, or her group, or one of the groups she was in, so they're yeah. very uh, sort of modern historical, if you will, in, in, in the neo-pagan movement, for sure. Mm-hmm. Very much so. so. I got some really have... good news today, an oh, anthology okay. that I'm in, Four Mothers of Women's Spirituality, has just won a very prestigious award. So we're all very mm. happy about that. Yeah, hooray, hooray, hooray. We yeah. had a really great day. It was a, a really beautiful early winter day. Oh, and before I forget, happy birthday. When's your birthday? Oh, mine had, mine had uh, it was my sister's birthday on the 17th. Mine had passed. Mine was January 20th. <laughs> I was saying There's that. You, um, oh, you're an Aquarius by a hair. Yes, I'm on the cusp. I'm the earth air. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> He's claiming his Aquarius there, but on thin ground, thin ice, thin ice, as being an Aquarius on a February 8th. Mm. So I am smack dab in the middle, the holder of Aquarius, right? Well, that's why we all get along. <laughs> Indeed. How excellent, excellent. So happy birthday past to you and happy birthday future to your sister and Happy birthday to me coming up in uh, less than a week. And happy Candlemas to us all. Yes. It is in bulk. It is the Feast of Flames. It is, <gasps> believe it or not, <gasps> the first day of spring. It really is. I know it's hard to believe it. It's the first day of spring because the light is really gaining. Check it out. Check how much more light there is. Yes. How much up and more up in the sky that sun is and how much more it's pouring down on you. Yes, I know there's still going to be some cold days. Whether or not the groundhog sees her shadow, there will be some cold days. That we know because spring is not about cold. It's about light. And so get out and get some of those rays of light right now so that your body goes, ah, spring, hooray. So we went out for a walk today and one of the things that really kind of amazed me as we were out was how many anti-infective plants there were around me. How really available the anti-infective plants are and how they've been used so often by the people who have lived with those plants. Last week, we started talking about antibiotics. <clears throat> and we talked about the credible growth in the use of antibiotics really over a very short time period. That over a 50-year time period, we went from making pounds to tons of antibiotics. 
we saw that there were real problems in the overuse and even the use of antibiotics in that they have inoxorably led to bacteria talking to each other about these antibiotics and being able to be resistant to them so that we now have terrifying diseases which are antibiotic resistant after a honeymoon of 50 years in which we thought we could get rid of any infection of any kind and that it was solely in the hands of these miracle drugs and turned our back pretty much on all of the other anti-infective agents available to us, which have been used for, let's face it, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. As we were walking along, and we were walking in the Catskills, and we were hiking up, we hiked um, up to a beautiful ledge overlooking the Hudson River Valley where we could look down and see. We could see up into New Hampshire and Vermont. We could see across into Massachusetts and down into Connecticut and the entire Hudson River Valley. We were way up there, and it sure was pretty. And in the damp area, trees around us, I saw some usnea growing. Usnea is a kind of lichen. It's not very well known, and... You sell herbs at your store. Have you ever heard of Usnea? Um, Busnia. No, I've heard of Bos- Boswell- Boswellia, which is a form of... A- Boswellia, right? No, U-S-N-E-A, Usnea. It's actually related to Spanish moss, but it grows all over the world. And is a lichen. It's fairly easy to recognize once somebody shows you how to recognize it, but it has to be kind of a hands-on recognition. Um, and usnea is one of the greatest anti-infective agents that I have worked with. I don't have a lot of it growing around me, and it's a little difficult to prepare So I tend to work more with Echinacea and talk more about Echinacea. On the other hand, it's not so easy to grow that Echinacea and the Usnea grows wild. I had heard about Usnea from quite a few people, and they had told me that it was a really great anti-infective for things that were deep inside and especially things that were deep inside the lungs and deep inside the intestines. And soon after that, a student told me that she had used it to help her mom who had an infection in a hip replacement. Hip replacement was less than a week old, and there was infection, and it appeared to be antibiotic resistant, and they were talking about having to undo it, the hip replacement. And this student went in with her Usnea tincture and basically, you know, saved her mom's leg, saved her mom's life in a a, a symbolic way there. So when I was in New Zealand and doing a wonderful trek along some waterfalls, and I noticed the tree is fairly dripping with Usnea. It's very light, as um, are most uh, kind of uh, things of that nature and was able to uh, bring it home with me. And I found myself, I I love this story with the Usnea because I found myself doing it all wrong. 
And it was one of those situations where I kind of stood back from myself and said, oh, my, you're doing this all wrong. How interesting. And just let myself do it. I always make tinctures in a clear glass, and I chose a brown glass bottle. I always um, put my tinctures in a dark place, and I put this one in a sunny windowsill. And I didn't use all of the Usni in that, so I did another one the right way, in clear glass in a dark place. And left the wrong one in the dark glass in the sunny windowsill. And after six weeks, I checked them, and the one in the clear glass in the dark place had done nothing, and the one in the brown glass in the sunny windowsill had actually made a tincture. I'd since learned in talking to people that uh, usnea is, um, has a very hard cell wall. It's very difficult to tincture it. Some people fry it a little bit, you know, dry roast it in a, a cast iron frying pan to break it down before they tincture it. Some people freeze it and then grind it up in a mortar and pestle before they freeze it. But I, by doing it wrong, had happened upon yet another way to do it, which is put it in dark glass and stick it in the sun so the sun really cooks the stuff out of it. There are people who make Usnia tincture, and if it's really calling to you, um, if you've been, you know, working with something very deep, a very deep infection in your body, and just haven't been able to budget, then Usnia might be in the very thing that you need. I've seen it um, not only growing along uh, waterfall trails in New Zealand, but in um, orchards in Canada, <clears throat> in pine forests in Europe. Usnia literally grows just about everywhere. I have not seen it in the tropics. Uh, but things that uh, look quite similar to it and who knows possibly could be used in the same way. So there was Usnia, right bias. I don't know whether the native people of the place where I'm living here in the Catskills used Usnia. I haven't... Um, had anybody on the East Coast really talked to me much about it, it's the people on the West Coast that have really um, used Usnia a lot. And it is, again, and um, likes to grow in trees in moist areas. So the... Oregon and Washington State, of course, are just perfect for that. I have here Native American Ethnobotany by Daniel Mormon. An absolute tome. Thank you, Daniel, of almost a thousand pages. And we're going to the catalog of plants here. Urtica. And after Urtica, we have Vaccinium usnea, a tree lichen. And usnea was used as a wound dressing by the Nintanot. And it was used to make mattresses and for baby diapers and female sanitary napkins. And it was used for wiping scales off salmons. Mm. And let's see, the maca used it to bandage wounds and to draw boils to a head. And used as a yellow dye and used to decorate dance masks. So 
Again, this is an extremely thorough book, and basically what he's telling us know that even though this is a powerful anti-infective herb, um, they didn't use it for the same reason. I don't often talk about it because it's not easy to get the medicine out of it. We see that uh, what Daniel Mormon found is that Native people were using it primarily just as a lichen, as kind of dry material in the same way that I said, oh, it's light, it's dry, it's easy to carry, it compresses down, it fluffs up. A wonderful way to use it, but Usnia can also give us so much more. And then a little bit further along, and there was a little bit of a clearing, and we were away from the shade and into the sunny areas. And there was a big bush covered, just dripping, literally dripping in red berries. And I say dripping because the berries are kind of ovate. They're long, longer than wider. And they have a little stem, so they actually dangle down like little ornaments from a Christmas tree. And this bush was just covered in hundreds of these dangling, dripping berries. And I started picking them and handing them out to my companions. And they started eating them, and they said, oh, I don't like the way this tastes. Oh, I like the way this tastes. Oh, this tastes bitter. Oh, this tastes good. And it's a very strange taste, this berry. It's sometimes called beauty berry. The botanical name is Berberus vulgaris, also known as barbberry. And Berberus vulgaris is considered to be an invasive alien plant, especially in the northeast part of the United States. And that's because of these red berries, which dangle up off of this shrub that has barbs on it, barbberry. And the birds eat them in the wintertime because they're held above the snow. And then they fly around and drop their seeds in their droppings, and more of these plants grow. Deer don't browse them very much because of the thorns, and so they basically push out under other understory plants that the deer do browse on, and worse yet, they seem to be a real haven for deer ticks. Goodness only knows why. Um, somebody should tell them the deer, deer aren't going to come around there, but people um, checking, you know, where the deer ticks were out in the forest found them congregating around the Berberus vulgaris, the barberry. The berries, of course, are, are a source of vitamin C during the wintertime, and we all think of vitamin C as an anti-infective, and especially during the wintertime. Any handy reach-out Take a berry, pop it in your mouth, source of vitamin C during the wintertime, where you can eat the whole thing. There's not even a seed to spit from it. You can eat the seed if you want to. There is a seed there, and you do have to spit it if you don't want to eat it. But it's not a noxious seed. And doesn't You don't say, oh, this is terrible. When you're eating the berry, very odd kind of, it reminds me of Shisandra in a kind of five-flavor way. There's a little bit of sweet, there's a little bit of sour, there's a little bit of bitter, right? There's a little bit of each of the flavors in this berry. And so it should come as no surprise to us then that the roots and the bark contain berberine. And berberine is coming more and more to light as a powerful anti-infective chem- chemical found in plants. And that it's not 
so much that we want to extract it from plants and use it in place of antibiotics, but that we understand that the berberiness found in plants makes those plants powerful anti-infectives and that it's found in a great many different plants. Have you, by chance, heard of berberine? Berberine, I have not. I am Berberine is an alkaloid, and it's one of the primary alkaloids in golden seal. Oh, okay. In fact, berberine is colored yellow, and it stains your hands yellow. So it's also in Oregon grapefruit. Hmm. It's in yellow dockroot. It's in coptis. You've heard of some of those, yes? Yes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they're all used as anti-infectives. So there's this invasive, terrible plant, which nonetheless provides us with an immediate source of vitamin C to help ward off colds and flus during the wintertime. And should we get one, the deeper, stronger, more bitterer medicine of the berberine of the root and the bark, which can be extracted very easily into water, as well as being made up in a tincture if you desire to do that. So this is a plant that's very handy. And we could even say that if you harvest the roots of it, you're doing the forest a favor. Right. Right? Because you're clearing some away. Some of the away, yeah. Right. It's considered an invasive species, and there are, in fact, people who just go out and just take it out of the woods wherever they find it. But hmm. at least we'll be, we, if we were taking it, we're going to be using the roots for medicine. How wonderful that we find a use for it as well. We, as I said, we were fairly high. And, of course, one of the most beautiful trees of the of the heights is the birch tree. It's a tree that really prefers to be cold. And that beautiful image of the white birch, of course, against the blue sky on the cold, cold winter day. And I, I talk a lot about birch. When we were talking about the trees of the 13 moons, remember birch was the first tree? Birch. And if you give a, a lover a piece of birch, it means you may begin. So there is that that newness, that wonderful, oh, here I am on Candlemas Day going out for a walk with my daughter and granddaughter and a new friend. And, you know, here is the the birch tree, the the tree of beginnings, the tree of making fire. Birch bark burns. It saved my butt on occasion when I had nothing else that would burn even when it's wet. Birch bark burns. And yet, if you make a little cup out of birch bark and fill it with water and put it over a fire, it won't burn, but the water will boil. Amazing stuff. Birch bark contains xylitol, which is active against cavities. And we know that Native people did know this, and they used birch twigs. They they didn't know it had xylitol, but they knew that birch twigs helped their teeth to stay healthy. And they would chew on birch twigs to, uh, we would probably call it, brush their teeth. Mm -hmm. 
So the xylitol in the birch is a direct um, anti-cavity agent. You probably sell xylitol gum at your store. At the health food store, you're working. Yeah, I was just thinking that when you said that. <laughs> we Very popular. Very popular xylitol gum. You can just go break off, you know, a little bit of a birch twig and chew on it and get the same effect. Mm-hmm. Xylitol is not just anti cavities, it's anti other infections too. And it's pretty much anti food bacteria. The native peoples, everywhere the birch grew, made containers out of birch to store food in. I think about, you know, like if I'd gathered a lot of raspberries or blackberries and dried them carefully in the sun, which takes a whole lot of work. And then, oh, you know, to store them, my gosh, you know, if, if any little bit of moisture in them and they're all molded up and my work is all ruined. But if I make a birch bark box and fill it with my dried berries. The birch bark will protect against any mold, any bacteria, any kind of thing growing in my berries, and they'll stay good to eat all winter. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's like instead of putting chemicals into food to keep the food fresh, they found the plant that had the substance that countered the foodborne bacteria and used that as the container for their food. That is so cool. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, yeah! yeah. <laughs> Able to preserve things without them being chemical you know, preservatives, all the things that Modern people researching what's going on. Uh, by that, I mean common modern people, like people that come yes, to my store. exactly. And, and, you know, are trying to stay away from, so you can use something natural to do so. That, that I think that's great. Right. Well, we're starting to recognize that the things that live in our gut are very, very important, and that, that things that preserve food basically kill things that live in our gut as well as things that live in food. So it's like the double-edged sword there. How do you keep the food supply safe without killing off gut flora? And I know we do not have much time. Um, And maybe we will pick up here and continue on with our exploration of antibiotic and um, anti-infective herbs Um, in weeks to come. We haven't even looked back into Stephen Booner's book at all this week just because of a, a walk I took. There was a big white pine tree growing there. Mm-hmm. And white pine, of course, is another fabulous source of vitamin C during the winter. And it is also highly anti-infective. And I always smile when I think about the brand Pine Brothers Cough Drops. And Pine Brothers Cough Drops, of course, are not made of pine. They're made of sugar syrup like all other cough drops are. But they used to be made of pine. Because pine is renowned for stopping coughs and for clearing bronchitis, sinusitis, and other infections in the respiratory system. It's funny how those ingredients change over time. <laughs> well, it's what's f- 
funny is not so much that the ingredients change is that the memory stays. The brand name stays Pine Brothers even when the pine is no longer being used. Yeah. yeah good point. Right. And you think about most people, if they envision walking in a pine forest, say that they feel like they're breathing deeper. Yes. There's something about the quiet and the smell of the pine forest. Oh, I love that smell. <clears throat> Completely. Yes. Yes, it's both soothing to the nervous system, but nourishing to the imagination. So so I often think that the smell of pine is something that really kind of slows us down so that the, our imaginative facilities can uh, start to throw up images to us with, and delight us with creativity. And it's funny because I've always felt that when you say that, and I associate pine with winter, uh, maybe it's a Christmas thing, I'm not sure, but I've always felt very creative in the winter and in the quiet time of winter. I think we've talked about before how you kind of like the cold weather a little bit. I don't like working outside in it all day, but there's something about going inside all of that. We've discussed this before. I, that's where I've done most of my songwriting has always been in those quiet winter months. And sometimes that might be, you know, around, <laughs> there's a pine tree in the house. <laughs> yes, of course. And it's one of the reasons why there is a pine tree in the house. And that's to help us remember that all of that medicine is right there available to us. Because herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that grows in your backyard, that comes into your house to celebrate. It's the medicine that's right there when I go out for a walk saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Aren't I beautiful? Don't I glow in the sun? Herbal medicine is people's medicine. So come and visit me at my website. SusanWeed.com, and thanks for having that little click-through to make it easy for people. And check out my new 2016 schedule. And if you live around where I live and you're listening to this show, remember, 7 o'clock on February 7th to celebrate my 70th birthday, dinner on me at the Mid-Hudson Buffet, Route 9W in Kingston. Mid-Hudson Buffet, Route 9W Kingston at 7 p.m. on the 7th of February to celebrate my 70th birthday. Talk to you next week. All right, and thank you so much, Susan, for being with us. Again, and I think it's great to continue on this topic, maybe make it a little series for however long you want to, you know, like we did the power plants, we've done other series, the 13 sacred trees, do this as a mini-series, yeah. I think it'd be great. Herbal antibiotics. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because we seem to be on a roll here with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that time of the year. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, be well. Green blessings, right. everybody. Good night. All right, and good night, Green Blessings. You've been listening to Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. Now, in the beginning of the show, the song had a little bit of a pause. That wasn't my fault. <laughs> but I'm going to do the same thing, the plug, and then the beginning song from Kellyanna, who's going to be our guest tomorrow. She's been doing this a while. I've met her in person 
She was just playing a drum and singing, and she has this big, gigantic voice playing at the local New Age witchy shop here, Sticks and Stones. And it was in the back room. There was 50 women in there. And I couldn't believe that many people were going to fit in there. I'm like, where's the band going to play? And she just showed up with a drum and singing, and you could hear it. (laughs) But anyway, um, here's Kellyanna with Blessed Are We. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time with Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan.